0: chapter eight part one of pointed roofs by dorothy richardson this sleeper box recording is in the public domain section one walking along a narrow muddy causeway by a little river overhung with willows girls ahead of her in single file and girls in single file behind miriam drearily recognized that it was june the month of roses she thought and looked out across the flat green fields it was not easy to walk along the slippery pathway on one side was the little grey river on the other long wet grass repelling and depressing not far ahead was the roadway which led she supposed to the farm where they were to drink new milk she would have to walk with someone when they came to the road and talk She wondered whether this early morning walk would come now every day. Her heart sank at the thought. It had been too hot during the last few days for any going out at midday, and she had hoped that the strolling in the garden, sitting about under the chestnut tree and in the little wooden garden room off the sal, had taken the place of walks for the summer. She had got up reluctantly at the surprise of the very early gonging mademoiselle had guessed it would be a milk walk pausing in the bright light of the top landing as mademoiselle ran downstairs she had seen through the landing window the deep peak of a distant gable casting an unfamiliar shadow a shadow sloping the wrong way a morning shadow she remembered the first time The only time she had noticed such a shadow. Getting up very early one morning while Harriet and all the household were still asleep, and how she had stopped dressing and gazed at it as it stood there, cool and quiet and alone, across the mellow face of a neighboring stone porch. Had suddenly been glad that she was alone, and had wondered why that shadowed porch peak was more beautiful than all the summer things she knew and felt at that moment that nothing could touch or trouble her again she could not find anything of that feeling in the early day outside hanover she was hemmed in and the fields were so sad she could not bear to look at them the sun had disappeared since they came out the sky was grey and low and it seemed warmer already than it had been in the midday sun during the last few days one of the girls on ahead hummed the refrain of a student-song in der ecke steht er seinen schnurbart dreht er sich du wohl da steht er schon der Versofne schwiegersohn miriam felt very near the end of endurance elsa spire who was just behind her became her inevitable companion when they reached the roadway A farmhouse appeared about a quarter of a mile away. Miriam's sense of her duties closed in on her, trying not to see Elsa's elaborate clothes and the profile in which she could find no meaning, no hope, no rest. She spoke to her. Do you like milk, Elsa? she said cheerfully. Elsa began swinging her lace-covered parasol. If I like milk, she repeated presently and flashed mocking eyes in Miriam's direction. Despair touched Miriam's heart. Some people don't, she said. Elsa hummed and swung her parasol. Why should I like milk, she stated. The muddy farmyard lying back from the roadway and below it was steamy and choking with odors. Miriam who had imagined a cool dairy and cold milk frothing in pans felt a loathing as warmth came to her fingers from the glass she held. Most of the girls were busily sipping. She raised her glass once towards her lips, snuffed a warm reek, and turned away towards the edge of the group to pour out the contents of her glass unseen upon the filth sodden earth. SECTION 2 Passing languidly up through the house after breakfast, Unable to decide to spend her Saturday morning as usual at a piano in one of the bedrooms, Miriam went, wondering, in response to a quiet call from Frulein Pfaff, into the large room shared by the Bergmanns and Ulrika Hesse, explaining that Clara was now to take possession of the half of Elsa Speyer's room that had been left empty by Mina. Poor Mina, now with her good parents, seeking health in the swiss mountains school days at an end at an end at an end she repeated mournfully frulein explained that clara's third of the large room would now be miriam's miriam stood incredulous at her side as she indicated a large empty chest of drawers a white-covered bed in a deep corner away from the window a small drawer in the dressing-table and five pegs in a large french wardrobe emma was going very gravely about the room collecting her work-basket and things for raccommodage. she flung one ecstatic glance at miriam as she went away with these i shall hold you responsible here amongst these dear children miss henderson fluted frulein quietly gathering up a few last things of mina's collected on the bed our dear ulrica and our little emma she smiled passing out leaving miriam standing in the wonderful room my goodney she breathed gathering gently clenched fists close to her person she stood for a few moments she felt like a visitor embroidered toilet covers polished furniture golden cream crockery, lace curtains, white beds, the large screen cutting off her third of the room. Then she rushed headlong upstairs, a member of the downstairs landing, to collect her belongings. On the landing just outside the door of the garret bedroom stood a huge wicker traveling basket, a clumsy umbrella with a large knobby handle, like a man's umbrella lay on the top of it, partly covering a large pair of galoshes. She was tired and very warm by the time everything was arranged in her new quarters. Taking a last look round, she caught the eye of Eve's photograph, gazing steadily at her from the chest of drawers. It would be quite easy now that this had happened to write and tell them that the Pomeranian plan had come to nothing. Evidently Fräulein approved of her, after all. SECTION 3 In the schoolroom she found the raccommodage party gathered round the table. At its head sat Mademoiselle, her arms flung out upon the table, and her face buried against them. Cheer up, Mademoiselle, said Jimmy, as Miriam took an empty chair between Gertrude and the Martins. Timidly meeting Gertrude's eye, Miriam received her half smile watched her eyebrows flicker faintly up and the little despairing shrug she gave as she went on with her mending ah mamsellchen c'est pas mal ne seu triste mein Mamma mamsellchen es ist aber nichts chided emma consolingly from her place near the window oh je ne vous pas je ne vous pas sobbed mademoiselle no one spoke mademoiselle lay snuffling and shuddering solomon's scissors fell on to the floor mais pourquoi pas mademoiselle she interrogated as she recovered them pourquoi pourquoi choked mademoiselle her suffused little face came up for a moment towards solomon she met Miriam's gaze as if she did not see her. Où me demandez pourquoi je ne vous pas partagé ma chambre avec une femme marie Her head sank again, and her little gray form jerked sharply as she sobbed. Probably a widder, Mademoiselle ventured. Bertha Martin. une veuve. Veuve, Bertha came. Millie's correcting voice and Miriam's interest changed to excited thoughts of Frulein. Not hating her, and choosing Mademoiselle to sleep with the servant, a new servant, the things on the landing, Mademoiselle refusing to share a room with a married woman. She felt about round this idea as Millie's prim, clear voice went on. Her eyes clutched at Mademoiselle, begged to understand she gazed at the little down-flung head fine little tendrils frilling along the edge of her hair her little hard gray shape all miserable and ashamed it was dreadful miriam felt she could not bear it she turned away it was a strange new thought that any one should object to being with a married woman would she object or harriet not unless it were suggested to them was there some special refinement in this french girl that none of them understood why should it be refined to object to share a room with a married woman a cold shadow closed in on miriam's mind i don't care said millie almost quickly with a crimson face it's a special occasion i think mademoiselle ought to complain If I were in her place, I should write home. It's not right. Frulein has no right to make her sleep with a servant. Why can't the servant sleep in one of the back attics? asked Solomon. Not furnished, my sweetheart, said Gertrude. And you know, kinder, you're all running on very fast about servants. The good Frau is our housekeeper. Will she have meals with us? Gewiss, Jimmy. Meals. Mon Dieu, vous êtes horrible, tout! Came Mademoiselle's voice. It seemed to bite into the table. Oh, Est grossière. She gathered herself up and escaped into the little schoolroom. Arm, arm, mam'selle wailed Ulrica, gently gazing out of the window. Someone should go. Go, you Henkin urged Emma. Don't for goodness sake, Hendy, begged Jimmy. Not you. She's wild about you going downstairs, she whispered. Miriam struggled with her gratification. Oh go, someone you go, Clara Better leave her alone, ruled Gertrude. We miss old Minna, don't we? concluded Bertha. Section four The heat grew intense. The air was more and more oppressive as the day went on. Clara fainted suddenly just after dinner, and Fräulein, holding a little discourse on clothing and an inquiry into wardrobes, gave a general permission for the reduction of garments to the minimum, and sent everyone to rest uncorseted until tea-time, promising a walk to the woods in the cool of the evening there was a sense of adventure in the house it was as if it were being besieged it gave miriam confidence to approach frulein for permission to rearrange her trunk in the basement she let frulein understand that her removal was not complete that there were things to do before she could be properly settled in her new room certainly miss henderson you are quite free said frulein instantly as the girls trooped upstairs Miriam knew she wanted to avoid an afternoon shut-up with Emma and Ulrica, and she did not in the least want to lie down. It seemed to her a very extraordinary thing to do. It surprised and disturbed her. It suggested illness and weakness. She could not remember having lain down in the daytime. There had been that fortnight in the old room at home with Harriet chicken pox and new books coming and games, and Sarah reading the Song of Hiawatha, and their being allowed to choose their pudding. She could not remember feeling ill. Had she ever felt ill? Colds and bilious attacks. She remembered with triumph a group of days of pain two years ago. She had forgotten. Bewilderment and pain her mother's constant presence, everything, the light everywhere, the leaves standing out along the tops of hedgerows as she drove with her mother, telling her of pain, and she alone in the midst of it. For always pride, long moments of deep pride, Eve and Sarah congratulating her, Eve stupid and laughing, the new bearing of the servants. Lily Belton's horrible talks fading away to nothing. Fräulein had left her and gone to her room. Every door and window on the ground floor stood wide, excepting that leading to Fräulein's little double rooms. She wondered what the rooms were like, and felt sorry for Fräulein, tall and gaunt, moving about in them alone, alone with her own dark eyes curtains hanging motionless at the windows was it really bad to tight lace the english girls except milly and solomon all had small waists she wished she knew she placed her large hands round her waist drawing in her breath she could almost make them meet it was easier to play tennis with stays how dusty the garden looked baked she wanted to go out with two heavy watering cans to feel them pulling her arms from their sockets dragging her shoulders down throwing out her chest to spray canful after canful through a great wide rose, sprinkling her ankles sometimes and to grow so warm that she would not feel the heat bella linden had never worn stays playing rounders so splendidly, lying on the grass between the games with her arms under her head. Simply disgusting, someone had said. Who? A disgusted face. Nearly all the girls detested Bella. Going through the hall on her way down to the basement, she heard the English voices sounding quietly out into the afternoon from the rooms above flat and tranquil they sounded bertha and jimmy she heard gertrude's undertones quiet words from milly she felt she would like a corner in the english room for the afternoon a book and an occasional remark mr barnes of new york she would not be able to read her three yellow books in the german bedroom she felt at the moment glad to be robbed of them It would be much better, of course. There was no sound from the German rooms. She pictured sleeping faces. It was cooler in the basement, but even there the air seemed stiff and dusty with the heat. Why did the hanging garments remind her of All Saints Church and Mr. Bruff? She must tell Harriet that in her letter that day they suddenly decided to help in the church decorations she remembered the smell of the soot on the holly as they had cut and hacked at it in the cold garden and harriet overturning the heavy wheelbarrow on the way to church and how they had not laughed because they both felt solemn and then there had just been the three Anwill girls and mrs Anwell. and mrs scar and Mr. Bruff in the church room all being silly about Bertie Anwell roasting chestnuts, and how silly and affected they were when a piece of holly stuck in her skirt. Section five Coming up the basement stairs in response to the tea gong, Miriam thought there were visitors in the hall and hesitated. Then there was Pastor Lahman's profile disappearing towards the door and frulein patting and dismissing two of his boys his face looked white and clear and firm and undisturbed miriam wanted to arrest him and ask him something what he thought of the weather he looked so different from her memory of him in the saal two saturdays ago two weeks four classes she must have missed why why was she missing pastor lahmann's classes how had it happened perhaps she would see him in class again perhaps next week the other visitors proved to be the Bergmans in new dresses miriam gazed at clara as she went down the schoolroom to her corner of the table she looked like a hostess it seemed absurd to see her sit down to tea as a schoolgirl The dress was a fine black muslin stamped all over with tiny fish-shaped patches of mauve. It was cut to the base of the neck and came to a point in front where the soft white rucking was fastened with a large cameo brooch. Clara's pallid worried face had grown more placid during the hot inactive days, and today her hard mouth looked patient and determined and responsible. She seemed quite independent of her surroundings. Miriam found herself again and again consulting her calm face. Her presence haunted Miriam throughout tea-time. Emma was sweet, pink and bright after her rest in a bright light brown muslin dress dotted with white spots. Funny German dresses thought Miriam, funny and old. Her mind hovered and wondered over these German dresses. Did she like them or not? Something about them. She glanced at Elsa, sitting opposite in the dull, faint electric blue with black lace sleeves she had worn since the warm weather set in. Even Ulrica, thin and straight now, like a pole, in a tight, flat dress of saffron muslin sprigged with brown leaves seemed to be included in something that made all these German dresses utterly different from anything the English girls could have worn. What was it? It was crowned by the Bergman's dresses. It had begun in a summer dress of Minna's, black with a tiny sky-blue spot and a heavy ruck round the hem. She thought she liked it. It seemed to set the full tide of summer round the table more than the things of the English girls, and yet the dresses were ugly, and the English girls' dresses were not that. They were nothing, plain cottons and zephyrs, with lace tuckers, no rucks. It was something somehow in the rucks, the rucks and the little peaks of neck. A faint scent of camphor came from the Martins across the way, sitting in their cool creased black-and-white check-cotton dresses. They still kept to their hard white collars and cuffs. As tea went on, Miriam found her eyes drawn back and back again to these newly unpacked camphor-scented dresses, and when conversation broke after moments of stillness, shadowy foliage, the still-hot garden, the sun-baked wooden room beyond the sunny saal, the light pouring through three rooms and bright along the table. It was to the Martins' check dresses that she glanced. It was intensely hot, but the strain had gone out of the day. The feeling of just bearing up against the heat and getting through the day had gone. They all sat round, which was which. Miriam met eye after eye. How beautiful they all were, looking out from faces and meeting hers, and her eyes came back unembarrassed to her cup, her solid butter brot, and the sunlit angle of the garden wall, and the bit of tree just over Frulein Pfaff's shoulder. She tried to meet Mademoiselle's eyes. She felt sure their eyes could meet. She wandered intensely what was in elsa's mind behind her faint hard blue dress she wanted to hear mademoiselle's voice mademoiselle was almost invisible in her corner near the door the new housekeeper was sitting at her side very upright and close to the table once or twice she felt frulein's look she sustained it and glowed happily under it without meeting it she referred back contentedly to it after hearing herself laugh out once just as she would do at home once or twice she forgot for a moment where she was the way the light shone on the housekeeper's hair bright brown and plastered flatly down on either side of her bright white and crimson face and the curves of her chocolate and white striped cotton bodice reminded her sharply of something she had seen once something that had charmed her it was in the hair against the hard white of the forehead and the flat broad cheeks with the hard clear crimson colouring nearly covering them something in the way she sat standing out against the others judy on her left hand with almost the same colouring looked small and gentle and refined section six tea was over frulein decided against a walk and they all trooped into the saal no programme was suggested they all sat about unoccupied there was no centre frulein pfaff was one of them the little group near her in the shady half of the sunlit summer-house was as quietly easy as those who sat far back in the saal Miriam had got into a low chair near the sal doors, whence she could see across the room, through the summer-house window, through the gap between the houses across the way, to the far-off afternoon country. Its colors gleamed, a soft confusion of tones, under the heat haze. For a while she sat with her eyes on Fraulein's thin profile, clean and cool and dry in the intense heat she must be looking out towards the lime-trees ulrica sat drooped on a low chair near her knees sweet beautiful head the weight of her soft curved mouth seemed too much for the delicate angles of her face and it drooped faintly breaking their sharp lines miriam wished all the world could see her Presently ulrica raised her head as elsa and clara broke into words and laughter near her and her drooping lips flattened gently back into their place in the curve of her face she gazed out through the doorway of the summer-house with her great despairing eyes the housekeeper was rather like a dutch doll but that was not it End of chapter eight part one